Hi everyone, it's Jessica Hayden, lead counselor of Camp Raven. Camp Raven is a podcast that covers subject matters such as true crime, horror, and paranormal stories and experiences. This podcast includes explicit language and graphic content that may not be suitable for our listeners. Be sure to follow Camp Raven on Twitter at Camp Raven Pod and Instagram at Camp Raven Podcast. Like the Camp Raven Facebook page, email at CampRavenPodcast at gmail.com, and follow my TikTok page at Spooky underscore Jess for more content. Now, sit back, settle in with your blankets and s'mores, and I'll see you campers around the campfire. Enjoy your time at Camp Raven. Welcome campers to your first fireside gathering. I'm Camp Counselor Jess, and I'm here to help you survive your duration here. At Camp Raven, we cultivate the belief of being self-sufficient, learning from the horrors of the world, preparing against dark forces both mortal and otherworldly, and remember those who have fallen at the hands of monsters that roam the earth, hiding behind a human face. Some of the stories we'll be hearing throughout our stay at camp can be extremely graphic and terrifying, so if anyone needs to head back to the cabin, I completely understand. Just please use a buddy, never walk off alone. Now, I believe I've kept you waiting long enough. Tonight's story is going to be Christian Nielsen. Christian Charles Nielsen was born on May 2nd, 1975, and grew up in Rumford, Maine with his parents, Charles and Patricia, and his younger sister, Patrine. In 1980, when Christian was four years old, his parents would divorce. In 1982, two years after the divorce and a lengthy custody battle, Judge John Batherson ruled that the children would live with their father, not their mother, citing, quote, court finds that the behavior of the mother has not been consistent with the sort of emotional stability that is most valuable to young, impressionable children. Most of Charles Nielsen's case against his ex-wife to gain custody of their children rested mainly on the fact that she led a very unstable home life and had a troubling relationship with a man named Michael Lewitt. Lewitt had been in and out of trouble with the law at the time and had previously served time at the state prison in Wyndham for burglary, theft, and receiving stolen property. In light of this evidence, Judge Batherson wrote in his ruling that, quote, the behavior of the children has undergone changes not viewed as positive, including uncontrolled urinating, excessive belligerence, and unusual nervousness. Patricia would go on to marry and later divorce Michael Lewitt. In 1997, while in the midst of her divorce, she wrote a letter to then-Superior Court Justice Ellen Gorman, apologizing for not showing up for a hearing on the divorce. The letter included Patricia admitting, quote, I lost joint custody of my kids in 1981 because of Mike Lewitt's criminal record. Christian's childhood would be riddled with custody complications, court cases, and multiple divorces between both his parents. In 1993, Charles divorced his second wife, Carol, two years before Christian graduated from Mount Blue High School in Farmington. Their divorce was uncomplicated and didn't include any additional custody hearings. Carol was a key figure in helping Charles get custody of Christian and Patrine, their stable marriage being a motivating factor for psychologist Berwyn D. Wetter to recommend the children remain in Charles and Carol's custody, citing Carol as being, quote, very positive and realistic in her perceptions of assuming a parenting role with the children. They had a happy marriage, and Charles worked as an English teacher at Dorigo High School in Dixfield, Maine. 
Growing up, Christian, for the most part, seemed like a typical child, teenager, and young adult. Cut to 2006. Christian is now 31 years old and working as a cook at the Sudbury Inn in Bethel, Maine. Nancy White, a co-owner of the inn, remembers Christian as being reliable and a soft-spoken, quiet guy. He seemed to have a bit of an aimless future. Before working at the Sudbury Inn, he worked as a cook at the Family Fair restaurant in Farmington. He had hopes to clean up his act and get his life together, telling his co-workers that he would stop drinking and give up his spotty college career, failing in his pursuit of an English degree at the University of Maine. He was looking to move towards the structure of the U.S. military. Kristen Dory, who worked as a waitress at the restaurant, said, quote, I thought Christian's finally finding a place for himself. Kenny Bachner, the owner of Devaney, Doak, and Garrett Booksellers in Farmington, recalls Christian, a frequent customer for six years, as having an unpredictable personality, appearing very earnest on some occasions and very closed off on others. He remembers Christian as being very bright and favoring classic literature and comedy books. Unfortunately, Christian's ambitions of moving on to a fresh start in the military led nowhere, and he moved to the nearby town of Newry and began boarding at the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast, nine minutes away from his new workplace in Bethel. This is where he met the owner of the B&B, Julie Bullard. 65-year-old Julie Bullard relocated to Maine from San Francisco in 2003 and took over the 1830s-era property of the Black Bear B&B. After her daughter Selby lost her husband in a car accident, the family was looking for a fresh start. Julie had ran an inn in California, so she took on that line of work after the move. She had gotten to the point where taking care of the bed and breakfast was becoming a financial hardship on her, and was looking to sell it and move to Brooklyn, New York to share a house with one of her daughters. She took in Christian to help make ends meet at the bed and breakfast before that move. Her close friend, real estate agent Marcia Thomas, said that Julie loved Maine. She felt very safe there and didn't want to leave, but the move was strictly for economic reasons. After losing her husband, Selby moved to Bethel with her 12-year-old daughter and 8-year-old son. She had a variety of jobs running an eyeglass shop, doing nails, and occasionally waiting tables. She had recently earned her real estate license and worked at Apple Tree Realty with Cynthia Beetson. Over the summer of 2006, Julie offered a free room to 50-year-old James Whitehurst of Batesville, Arkansas, in exchange for his work as a handyman for the inn. He took her up on her offer and moved into the B&B as well. The horror began at the start of Labor Day weekend. On Friday, September 1st, 2006, Christian bought a gun and returned to the inn. Here, he invited James Whitehurst to go on a fishing trip with him to Upton, a town about 30 miles north of Newry. James agreed, they packed up sandwiches, and drove together. In Upton, they drove down dirt logging roads that had no people around. When they stopped at a clearing for lunch, Christian shot and killed James. After fatally shooting him, he partially dismembered his body, attempted to burn him, and then discarded him in the wooded area before returning to Newry. Two days later, on Sunday, September 3rd, he shot and killed Julie Bullard, allegedly to cover up the disappearance of James. That same night, he went and worked his shift at the Sudbury Inn, normal as could be, no one being suspicious of him and the deed he had done hours before. The next day, September 4th, Selby and Cynthia stopped by the inn unexpectedly to visit her mother after not being able to reach her since the day before. Both were shot and killed by Christian. He then proceeded to dismember all three women using a chainsaw, a hacksaw, and an axe. 
The night of the 4th, Christian called his father Charles and stated that Julie had gone to California and left him in charge of the inn during her absence. After the call, Charles and his wife, Lee Graham, stopped by the inn and found a grisly crime scene. Charles found a bloody trail where the bodies had been dragged outside and placed near piles of chopped wood, along with the bodies of three dead dogs. Christian admitted to killing the four people to his father and his stepmother immediately called the police. When they arrived, Christian calmly surrendered and did not resist in the slightest. The case was shrouded in rumors and mystery because no one could figure out a motive as to why Christian killed these four people. One of Selby's co-workers, Monica Ludden, recalls Selby telling her that she was getting bad vibes from someone who was staying at her mother's inn that she felt was taking advantage of her. There were also suggestions that a rent dispute between Julie and Christian was a motive for the crime. Ultimately, no official MO was given for the crimes. Christian claims that he killed them all in the hopes of getting control of the inn, but numerous professionals doubt the authenticity of that claim. When interrogated by Detective Jennifer King, he had told her he had been considering killing people for the last five years, since he was 26. He wanted to kill multiple people. His legal team considered an insanity defense, but ultimately decided against it. In October 2007, Christian pled guilty to all four charges of murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Now, let's take a moment to remember the victims and their survivors. Julie Atterbury Newby Bullard was born in Amarillo, Texas on July 22, 1941, to Luther Booman Newby Jr., a Pan American Airlines pilot, and Meredith Perdue. In her youth, she lived in Hong Kong, Mexico City, London, and other international countries and traveled the world with her parents and two younger sisters, Sol and Laura. She lived most of her adult life in California and lived in San Francisco for 25 years before moving to Newby. She had a passion for teacups, a, quote, fine crumb cake, antiquing, and her pets. She was a phenomenal B&B hostess who many international clientele remember for her breakfast pajama parties she would host at her inns. She loved and raised four daughters, four stepchildren, and nine grandchildren who called her Dammy. Selby B. Bullard was born in Lakeport, California on June 21, 1976 to Julie and Dennis Dean Bullard. She spent most of her life in California with her two children, Leela and Elliot, before moving to Maine with her mother following the passing of her husband. She was a talented eyeglass saleswoman who amazed her customers with the ability to always find the right frame for their faces. She was an adoring mother and had an ability to create any situation with fun, humor, and a tremendous lust for life. She and Cynthia Beetson were best friends who did almost everything together. At the sentencing, Selby's sister, Brooke, read a letter Selby's son, Elliot, wrote for the survivor's statements. The letter said how he couldn't understand the violence that took his mother's and grandmother's lives, stating, quote, They have all walked the stairway to heaven. At least there's no violence up there. Cynthia Cabral Beetson was born in Boston, Massachusetts on May 29, 1963, to Bernard J. and Dorothy Cabral. She was educated in Sudbury, Massachusetts, and later moved on to the Fashion School of Design in Boston and Babson College in Wellesley, Massachusetts. In 1992, she moved to Maine and began working at the Sunday River Ski Resort in Newry at the guest services desk in 1993. She was there a week when she met her husband, Douglas Beetson, who was working there as a construction worker. It was love at first sight. 
They married in 1994 and the following year had one child, a daughter, Carly. Cynthia loved to ski and was extremely good at it, Douglas recalling asking her to slow down because she would ski while pregnant. She lit up a room every time she walked in and was always willing to lend a helping hand. She also enjoyed golfing, sewing, playing croquet, swimming, going for walks in the woods, and doing anything outdoors. She loved little animals like hedgehogs and would collect lucky rocks. Douglas remembers her as, quote, very giving, very caring and energetic. She was a super mom. One thing she did and got a lot of enjoyment out of was making costumes for the kids, especially on Halloween. It was always quite a ritual. Before moving from Boston, Cynthia worked as a seamstress making wedding gowns and even made her own. Douglas also said, quote, Cindy was vibrant and happy and outgoing and easy to talk to, and she just wanted to have fun, and she would do everything she could to work things out in any situation and for everybody. I just loved her. Carly said of her mother, quote, life is fragile, and Douglas added that his wife, quote, didn't live as a fragile person. James William Whitehurst was born in San Diego, California on August 22, 1956. He was the youngest of three children to Juanita Whitehurst and their father, who was a U.S. Marine for 35 years. Because of their father's military status, the family moved around quite a bit. When James was three years old, he was stricken with polio and had to spend three years in an iron lung in a Washington, D.C. hospital. However, his sickness was a motivating force for him to prove himself and his ability to do average things. His sister Taylor remembers that despite his limp, he danced and biked and played basketball, even being hospitalized after winning a $20 bet biking down a steep hill in Southern California. As an adult, he loved all-terrain vehicles. He spent most of his adult life in California and Florida and had four children, Juanita, Jacqueline, Jim, and Jamie. He had been in the salvage business, but had mostly been living off of Social Security because of his disabilities. Taylor said he had planned to return to Arkansas from Maine as soon as he regained custody of his children, who he loved dearly. Taylor remembers James as someone with a big heart, a free spirit, and spoke in a loud voice because of his hearing loss. He also loved the outdoors, motorcycles, and snowmobiles. Their mother, Juanita, was angered that there was no clear reason as to why her son was killed, and she had trouble sleeping ever since his death, waking in the middle of the night screaming his name. All she wanted was the truth. The only reasoning given by the convicted was that James had been, quote, objectionable, a pain in the ass, and that one thing led to another. Taylor stated that she doesn't think that Nielsen was insane, but rather in desperate need of attention. She said, quote, God will say what he has to say at the pearly gates. And so ends the tale of Christian Nielsen. Just remember, after we recall the terrible actions of a terrible person, we must also remember the lights that were snuffed out too soon. Julie Bullard, Selby Bullard, Cynthia Beetson, and James Whitehurst. Campers, thank you for joining me tonight. It's getting pretty late and we don't know what's out here with us. There could be anything lurking in the woods, the lake, or the camp itself. We never know what dangers may be around us, so just remember, stay vigilant at all times. Let's put out the fire, leave no trace behind, and remember the buddy system as we all walk back to our cabins. Until next time, stay spooky.